0: Marijuana smoking, experts point out, can make a helpless addict of its victim within weeks, causing physical and moral ruin and death. The first legally
1: sold marijuana here goes to an Iraqi war veteran.
2: A new insurance study out this week looked at car crashes in several states that allow the use of recreational marijuana. You're a doc, you've
1: studied this, you've talked to the researchers, you're saying marijuana can kill cancer cells.
2: Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Marijuana is illegal under federal law. States have legalized... No wonder
3: you can't open your eyes. What do you expect doping yourself up with this wrong stuff? What do you know about
0: pot? All right, good morning. You are listening to the Cannabis Hour, a biweekly radio program where we discuss all things cannabis. I'm your host, Jen Procacci. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me on this beautiful morning here in Mendocino County. I have a great show for you all here today. We are going to be discussing a really fascinating economic impact report that studied the effect of cannabis on our cannabis on our North Coast economy here. And I have several folks that will be joining us to discuss that. It's a full house today. On the Cannabis Hour, lots of interesting voices and perspectives to share information with you all. But before we get started with that main topic today, I have Michael Katz and Nikki Lestretto with me here. They are regulars of mine on the Cannabis Hour, but I will introduce them for those of you that may not have heard them on the air before. Michael Katz entered the cannabis community in 2015 from a 15-year career in content creation in Los Angeles. He has created branded content for some of the most recognizable companies in the world, including Apple, NFL, Hewlett-Packard, Tylenol, and many others. He currently serves as the executive director of the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance a trade and advocacy association representing over 130 individual small local cannabis businesses through education and public policy engagement. He is also the producer of the fabulous documentary Lady Buds. Nikki Lestretto was born in the right place at the right time to be a flower child in San Francisco in the 60s, After years of being the ultimate city girl working at the San Francisco Chronicle and Cron TV, Nikki dropped out and traveled the world, living primarily in India. After several years, she returned to San Francisco, soon making her way north to the hills of Mendocino County. Lucky us. Now, as founder of Swami Select, she fosters the growth of sustainable lab-tested craft cannabis that is cultivated in living soil using regenerative organic methods. All right, Nikki and Michael, good morning. Are you both here with us on the air?
3: Yes, we are. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, Yeah. what an
2: intro. Thanks, Jen. You're welcome. Well, you both (laughs) deserve it.
3: So oh. Michael and
0: Nikki are here to talk about several important upcoming events um, in our cannabis community. Would you guys like to take it away with that? Sure. Well, sure I think did. I'd love Thanks for so Nikki
2: much. to Yeah, Nikki, I'd love for you Go to ahead. start. We're uh the 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 first event we want to talk about is the second annual Mendocino Craft Farmers Auction, which is the brainchild of Nikki. And so Nikki, why don't you take it away and tell folks what's come what's coming up?
3: Huh, great, thanks. I guess if it's my brainchild and I'm a flower child, that makes it a bud, right? Okay, oh, love wow, it. That's perfect. Um, so, um, <laughs> um, the this is the second. Um, Mendocino craft farmers auction and the first one went so well we decided to do it again it was just a blast last year um, thanks to first of all right off the top big thanks to Jim Roberts and Brian Atkinson for giving us this beautiful venue of the Brambles their place over on the coast over there in Philo it was such a perfect setting last year under the redwoods and we just had um, a lot of fun we had It's a silent auction and a live auction. And the main key about this is it's a charity auction. So this is not something that we're doing to put money into the pockets of the farmers who could certainly use it. But instead, this is our way of really giving back to our community and showing the, showing everyone that we are. We are fine artisans. We are craftspeople of the highest caliber and we should be respected that way and in proving that we want to give back and our our um, donations this year will go to the Mendocino Land Trust as well as the Cancer Resource Centers of Mendocino County. And that just feels great. Last year we donated $20,000 after all of our expenses to the Redwood Community Services Mental Health Division. And that was just wonderful for our first year. They say that was really kicking it out of the box. And um, so we're excited and hope to repeat that and even better this year. So the event, just to let people know, I think you would have a blast at this event because we all had a blast at it last year. It starts off the evening at five o'clock. It's First of all, it's happening on June 17th saturday june 17th so starting at five o'clock there's a silent auction and that goes for about an hour and a half and we have the tables out with all kinds of goodies on them amazing things are getting donated already you know everything from trips to jamaica and guatemala and um places here in mendocino county some great places to um Uh, all kinds of art things and farm tours and farm baskets and something for every kind of budget too. We're going to have a wide variety of ranges. So the silent auction happens um, and that would go, that's that's a lot of fun. And during that, we're serving wine donated by Alder Springs Vineyards, one of our sponsors. Um, And we'll also have a joint girl walking around holding a tray of joints, just like the old cigarette girl. And it's just a lot of fun. And a real highlight is Frenchie cannoli's hookah will be there with his wife kimberly and protege lena burns and they'll be lighting up the hookah so there's all kinds of extra little bonuses that happen at this event Uh, following the silent auction we sit down for a lovely sit down dinner and that during dessert is the live auction wonderful auctioneer johnny basolo i have to tell you this guy's hilarious He's the classic talks twenty five miles an hour, fifty miles an hour kind of voice, but he gets it done, and he's lots of fun. And so the silent, the live auction gets very lively, and that goes for a while. And after that's over, it was when we celebrate and we dance under the stars. Zach, uh, ZZ, G, DJ Zach Darling, who some of you may know from Sonoma County, Zach is going to be playing some music, and we get to dance under the redwoods and the stars, and that rounds out a wonderful, wonderful evening. And Um, I just want to say that I want to thank some of our sponsors, which is, of course, Jim and Brian from the Brambles and Alder Springs Vineyards and Carbon Storage Solutions and Santa Packaging. So all of those people have been very generous. And we also have a great committee of local farmers and friends here in Mendocino County. And there will be a lot of farmers there for people to meet because that's a lot of the point is to really get you to know that, you know, we're very approachable, nice friendly smart people and we want people to get to know our farmers so i i honestly i came up with this idea i based it on the napa valley wine auction and that's something that's gone on for many years and raised literally millions of dollars and that is um that's what we're trying to do here too to raise our image raise money for good charities and have a good time so If you're interested in this, because I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun, um, the way to find out more is to go to our website, which is www.MendocinoCFA. So that stands for Craft Farmers Auction, Mendocino CFA. And one other just little side tip is this is a private event. So what you can always do to get tickets is you simply write to me, Nikki G. Turtle at uh, Nikki G at gmail.com it's N I K K I J I the word turtle at gmail.com and I will send you all the information to get your tickets and that uh, and things are tax deductible this year we're working with ethos environmental a wonderful 501c3 so that's always good to know as well and and uh, yeah so check out the website for lots of information and Michael what did I forget Oh, you didn't
2: forget anything, Nikki, but just to expand a little bit on on all of the the great detail that you provided is just a sense of the feeling at the event. You know, I was fortunate to be asked to be the MC. Uh, and so just being able to be there among not just members of our community who it was always great to spend time with, but people came literally from all over the country uh, to experience this and really to, see what our craft cannabis community is all about. And really this is the beginning of the you know it's the first day of the rest of our lives, as they say. And so, you know, this is really us as a community stepping forward and and creating these experiences that really highlight the incredible value that we bring to the industry, to the world. Uh, and so many people all over the world already know about the incredible cannabis that we're producing here. So putting on events like this, letting people know that it's available and that we're inviting the world to share in this uh, bounty with us. Uh, you know, it's really exciting to be able to, to have this and see the joy on people's faces when they come together and, and share this uh, really unique experience. So I encourage everybody to get to the website, MendocinoCFA.com and uh, get some information. It'll tell you how to connect with Nikki on tickets and uh, a wonderful time is promised for all.
3: And and if I could throw in one other thing, it's that this, like I said, this is a private event, which means that um, there will not be a retailer or a distributor on site. So this isn't like your basic farmer's market sort of thing where we're selling weed. However, I would like people to know, that thanks to our dear friend Omar Figueroa, we have figured out a way that say that you bid on something and you're the, quote, high bidder, no pun intended, and you're the high bidder and you win this thing. Well, this is the key. Generous donors should not be surprised if their generosity is matched by growers who want to share from their private reserve. And what that means is that you may very well be getting a shared gift from a farmer of up to one ounce of cannabis that you're going to go home with that night, along with the, the, whatever you just won, what you bid on as the high bidder. So that's how we're able to get some of our excellent high craft cannabis from our personal gardens. That's what the private reserve means. So this is not commercial cannabis. It's from the personal gardens of the farmers. How exciting is that? So just wanted to throw that in.
2: Really unique opportunity. Yeah. Thanks Nikki.
3: Sure.
0: Well, that sounds totally exciting and awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to share that information about this event. And Nikki, thank you so much for your hard work with this because it gives so much back to the community. Is there anything else that you and Michael would like to add or talk about before we shift gears and move into discussing the North Coast Economic Impact Study on Cannabis?
2: sure if i may and that is such an important topic really excited to hear more about that Uh, we've shared a bunch of information about that on our social medias encourage people to participate in it just want people to know about two more really uh important events coming up here in the near future on may 24th uh mca will be putting on a local cannabis policy update uh this meeting is open to the public Uh, it'll be after some very big meetings happening on the 22nd and 23rd, uh, with the general government committee and the board of supervisors. So the many things with the ordinance streamlining will be coming forward. And we really expect there to be a lot of news to share at that point. And then for some fun on May 28th. Again, uh, thanks to Jim and Brian from the Bohemian Chemist, the Madrones and the Brambles uh, for sharing their incredible spaces with us. We will be having a a craft cannabis marketplace at the Madrones, thanks to the Bohemian Chemist retailer there who will be powering it. Uh, That'll have like 20 local craft farmers and an opportunity for people to stop by, say hello and check out the craft cannabis, check out the consumption lounge, uh, grab some food at Wixen's on site, uh, and then we'll be moving over to the Brambles at seven thirty for a screening of tending the garden which is a really beautiful documentary about regenerative agriculture and uh incredible people including mendocino's own radical herbs and folk life farm so these are both uh you know, great opportunities to come together with the cannabis uh, folks in Mendocino, support your local farmers, support MCA, the local cannabis trade association, and have a really great time as the season gets underway. So every all this information is available at mendocannabis.com and we encourage folks to come out and have some fun with us.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Michael. And Nikki, any last words from you?
3: Oh, just thanks so much. And I hope we get to see lots of folks there at the auction. We're going to have a lot of fun and raise consciousness about who we are and what we do.
0: Wonderful. All right. Before we shift gears here, and thank you so much, Nikki and Michael, for making the time to come on and let our community know about those events. Thank you so much. I just want everyone who is listening to know that here at KZYX, We are in the middle of our spring pledge drive and the theme for our pledge drive this year is resilience and you know KZYX has been a part of the community here in Mendocino County for over 30 years at this point. So we are quite resilient and we would love your help in continuing to maintain that resilience so we have a goal of a hundred thousand dollars for this pledge drive which started on the first of may and it ran it is running until the 27th but there is no more perfect time to donate now so then now so if you appreciate the cannabis hour if you appreciate all of the other wonderful programming we have here on kzyx with our music shows and our call-in shows and you know certainly our emergency information Please keep us in mind and, um, you know, help us out with a donation. It would be great. You can donate on our website. That's kzyx.org. You can mail a check to Post Office Box 1 in Philo, California, 95466. Or you can call us during business hours, and that number is 707-895-2324. So here at KZYX, you know, we're here for the community and we love to feel supported by the community during our pledge drives. So please, if you are listening and you appreciate this programming, don't hesitate to make a donation. Um, KZYX.org, that's a super easy way to do it. All right. So moving on here, we are going to be discussing a really fascinating study that was recently conducted on the economic impact of the cannabis industry on the north coast and here to talk about that with us today we have several wonderful guests here we have jim roberts he is currently the owner operator of the madrones and the brambles two travel destinations in mendocino county He is also a second-generation cannabis cultivator and operates his family property, Sugar Hill Farm. He founded the Bohemian Chemist, a microbusiness and brand showcasing sun-grown flower from Mendocino's Anderson Valley. A lifelong entrepreneur and legacy farmer, he is vested in the economic development of Mendocino County's emerging cannabis marketplace, with a focus on building the region's tourism market share while being vested in bettering the quality of life for local residents and supporting fellow stakeholders. Previously a governing board member of MCA, Jim is also a board member of West Business Development Center and part of Cal OSPA's Entrepreneurship and Economic Mobility Task Force. We also have Nathalyn Delap. She is the co-founder and executive director of the Humboldt County Growers Alliance. HCGA is the trade association advancing the legal interests of, advancing the interests of the legal and responsible cannabis businesses in Humboldt County. Its mission is to preserve, protect, and enhance Humboldt's world-renowned cannabis industry. In addition, she serves on the board of the Humboldt Community Business Development Center, the charitable arm of HCGA. We're also gonna be joined at 9.30 by Dr. Robert Eiler. He is the Interim Associate Vice President of Government Relations and Professor of Economics at Sonoma State University, where he has been teaching since 1995. He earned a PhD from the University of California Davis in 1998. He earned a BA in Economics at CSU Chico in 1992. Dr. Eiler has provided economic impact analysis to over 80 clients since 2004, primarily for projects and organizations in California. His family have been sheep and cattle ranchers in Marin and Sonoma counties since 1910. And then we have the esteemed Janine Coleman. She is the founder of Origins Council and the co-founder of the Mendocino Appalachians Project, which is now a regionally sponsored project of Origins Council. Janine serves on the board of directors for the 420 Archive, which is devoted to collecting, preserving, and sharing the history of cannabis culture and prohibition in the United States. She is one of the founding board members of the Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. Janine also has served on the board of directors of the California Growers Association and chaired the organization's Appalachians Committee. All right. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here with me. I'm so excited to discuss the findings of this study. Janine, would you like to go ahead and give our listeners a background on what we're going to be talking about with this?
4: Sure. Thank you, Jen. Really appreciate you having all of us on and um, really appreciate the opportunity to discuss the study. Um, The study is underway right now and um, really, you know, can't, thank you enough and and want to really encourage our listeners to tune in and participate and really plug into this because i think you know many of us are experiencing the reality on the ground in terms of the impacts of legalization particularly in the north coast and the impacts that is having on our community and the economic decline of the north coast community and the challenges that we're facing and so it's going to be really, really critical to support this study and move away from anecdotal evidence and really get some economic data that we can work with um, in all of our advocacy broadly, whether we're pursuing cannabis advocacy on the state, federal, or local level, or really pursuing broadly um, advocacy to support our community as we, um, you know, work to support each other and, and make it through these challenging times. I'd really love to pass it to Natalie though, to, to introduce um, the study itself and the origins of it, um, and so I'd love to to do that, if that's okay with you, Jen.
0: Absolutely. Natalie go ahead.
5: Hey there. Good morning, KZYX listeners. It is a pleasure to be here. Um, So just to let everyone know, the study is underway right now. And so we do not have any data or findings to present at this time. What we are here talking about is a North Coast economic survey and study. And what we're looking at is um, economic data being brought in from Lake County, Sonoma County, Mendocino County, Humboldt County, Del Norte and Trinity counties. Um, this is a study that's being produced in partnership between Cal Poly Humboldt and Sonoma State University. This is a DCC funded academic project um, that was approved back in 2021, I believe. Um, the study is underway and is being led by Dr. Robert Eiler, who will be joining us in just a few minutes. Um, this is a study that really came out of the understanding that there was a, an absolute need to have real data driven analysis on what is actually going on in the cannabis industry across the North coast. Um, as Janine mentioned, you know, we are all, anybody who is living in these counties understands the economic hardships that our counties, especially in the more rural parts of our counties are facing, um, We have some sales tax revenue data that show that um, Mendocino's taxable revenues are down 7 percent. In Humboldt County, they are down 9 percent. And in Trinity County, they're down 14 percent. And that is directly correlated to the strain and pressure that our cannabis industry is facing due to, you know, overregulation and high taxation. Um, And so, It is really imperative right now. What we're asking for people is if you are involved in the cannabis industry, whether in the regulated or in the traditional market to participate with this survey Um, and really what that survey data can do instead instead of using data that past economists have used based on enforcement data. Um, is we can actually, and I'm not going to, when I say we, I'm saying Dr. Eiler and his team, what they're doing is synthesizing that data to give us a real understanding of what the economy is currently and what its potential economy is. And when Dr. Eiler comes on, he'll really be able to explain the, 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 the how and what they're looking for. But this is really that opportunity for anybody who is part of the cannabis industry to participate and what they're looking for data around expenses fees paid number of employees number of harvest you know size of the garden um and and sales data to be able to extrapolate not just what is current but what the potential is if if market conditions were improved if policies were improved to really allow the the industry to once again grow and thrive and not be facing the the challenges that we've been facing over the last several years
0: thank you Natalie. that is a great introduction for that and it is um fascinating that this study is happening and was this stu- is this study being funded from uh, money from prop 64. Is that correct?
5: It is, it's part of uh, the DCC's um, research grants that they're funding on a yearly basis.
0: Great, thank you. And Janine, I know you have to hop off in just two minutes. So I just wanna give you a chance if there's anything that you wanted to add to what Natalie said there.
4: No, I just, I really want to express my appreciation. This study actually has been years and years in the making, and, um, you know, it's challenging the pace of policymaking, the pace of research, and so really want to encourage folks to take this opportunity to invest in this data. This is really for us. Um, We're fortunate to be partners on the study in terms of origins council and hcga and hcbdc and so we have the opportunity to work with the researchers and the data that comes out and inform policy recommendations because this is a study of the dcc and so i think you know given what the conditions are on the ground for our community and the challenges that you know our family and friends neighbors and loved ones are facing Really want to encourage folks to please take the time to sit down and invest in supporting this study and getting this really critical data into the hands of, of Dr. Eilers, an incredible researcher. It's been a real pleasure to work with him. Um, and, you know, th- this, is, this is our home, this is our community, and, um, you know, we're, we're facing challenging times. And so we really could uh, use all the tools that we can access to really um, shape our future moving forward and um, really appreciate this platform, Jen, and everything that you do for the community. And I'm um, really excited to hear about the work that jim has been up to as well in terms of um, his role with uh, GoBiz. And I look forward to listening to that off air. And thank you so much for having me on, Jen.
0: Thank you, Janine. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And Jim, I would love to take this opportunity to hear anything that you have to say about what's going on with this wonderful study and your involvement in that.
6: Um, Yes, actually, I'm not uh, terribly involved with the study itself, but I think that the work that's being done here and um, with the study and folks, uh, it's really important for them to participate in this survey. Um, You know, I know we kind of get a lot of surveys we're asked to provide a lot of different information. And I I think and sometimes we get like survey uh, fatigue and in speaking with Janine about this the other day, it's just, you know, this is one of the tools that we have in order to bring resources back to our county. Um, If they don't know what's going on, if they don't know exactly um, where our our pain points are within our communities and and within our industry, um, then they really are not going to be able to provide us with the resources that are maybe necessary so. I think with my involvement with uh, Cal OSBA, um, which is actually the advocate for the state under the governor's office, um, I've been really uh, myself learning how important it is for this advocacy to happen, for this data to actually get back to um, the decision makers and our leaders within the state uh, so that they can actually look at solutions and actually look at resources to help us.
0: Thank you, Jim. And you are a lifelong resident of Mendocino County, is that correct?
6: Uh, j- well, just about. I've been 30 years, so it's been a little bit over 30 years. So I actually wasn't here originally, but it's been uh, most of my adult life has been spent in Mendocino County for sure. Yeah,
0: wonderful. And do you want to share with us a little bit about your um, venue, the Brambles?
6: Sure, absolutely. So. Um, You know i started out um a little bit about my background i actually started out um, in anderson valley with the madrones property which was originally for a design company i had i had about 40 designers working for me and we did projects throughout the state and then and um in 2010 there was a crisis within within the housing market and also um just uh kind of our uh economic issues that we were dealing with at the time so i had to reinvent myself so at that time, the property became the Madrones. We actually had a couple of wineries that actually approached me that needed tasting room space. Um, we decided to actually turn some of the offices and other parts of the property into lodging uh, facilities. Then we added a restaurant, um, and then we went into the whole thing with the cannabis um Uh, brand that we have that's part of our farm flower that we wanted to bring out to the public. Um, The Brambles property is located right next door. So my partner purchased that and we went in on a joint venture on that. It's an old growth redwood forest and um, amazing property, completely different feel than than the Madrones. And there we have additional accommodations. Um, We do a host of events um, like the live auction that's going to be happening. We had the cannabis farmers market. We do weddings there. We also do business retreats. So um, it's just another venue space that's just, um, you know, I think, just a property itself is a pretty amazing property. Um, so with that, we've kind of organically built this um, this network of different resources. And I think for us, it's been just great that we can actually offer uh, some of these out to the community, um, especially the cannabis community, um, as a background for us to try to do different events and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been quite the... Uh, Quite the journey, I have to say, but um, I think also the, you know, we're very active in the tourism aspect of it, too. And that's such an emerging industry right now. So I think as we just like the wine industry was, you know, years ago, I think the cannabis industry is at at its infancy. um, And I think folks are going to be starting to plan their vacations around, you know, tourism and cannabis tourism and going to farms and seeing where craft cannabis is uh, produced. So that's been an exciting uh, journey for us for sure.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Jim, for sharing that with us. And we have just been joined by Dr. Robert Eiler. He is Interim Associate Vice President of Government Relations and Professor of Economics at Sonoma State University. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Eiler. Are you here with us? I am here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, we have chatted a little bit about the study, but we welcome any information that you would like to share with us. So if you want to go ahead and expand a little bit more um, on the background that Natalie gave, that would be great. So just go ahead. Any information you want to share with our listeners, we're here for it. Okay.
1: Thank you so much. And Natalie thanks for teeing that up for me. Um, I know that they gave you kind of a high level background. So let me just kind of explain it maybe slightly differently. Uh, the idea of the study is to really try to explain the economic footprint that the cannabis ec- cannabis industry leaves on the six counties that we're studying, which are Sonoma, Lake, Mendocino, Humboldt, Del Norte, and Trinity counties here in California. Uh, the way you do that is you gather together data that tell the story of how large the core cannabis industry is with respect to its supply chain. So a lot of these studies are in at the industry level or for specific projects like a construction project or when a new sports stadium goes in or a new event facility goes in or you build a dam. The idea is there's some economic impulse that takes place as a result of either a project or an industry's um, uh, being in a certain space that then feeds into other industries in the economy that you might think are totally unrelated to the core industry in this case the cannabis industry so its existence in these six counties provides an enormous amount of economic support uh if we think about the size and in some cases the rural aspects of some of these counties versus let's say sonoma county so sonoma county is much different than in many cases the other five counties combined but regardless the project is to show, say look if we can get an estimate of the size of the cannabis industry how large a footprint does that leave by how cannabis farmers, manufacturers, distributors, and retailers purchase goods and services, purchase labor, which then leads to another round of purchases of goods and services and workers that expands the so-called economic impact of the industry throughout the county or throughout the regional economy, as the case may be. And the the, um, sort of the allegory, if you want to put it this way, that I use is there's a rock being thrown into a still pond. So if you think of the still pond as the county or the regional economy, the rock, the size of the rock and the ripples that it provides is really dependent upon how large the cannabis industry is in terms of economic flows, the expenses that it spends on its workers and vendors and how those workers and vendors spend their money. When that rock goes into the still pond, the ripple effects are what we're really trying to measure above and beyond the core industry. So then in a nutshell, is a way to think about it. Um, as the last speaker just talked about, the other angles are, are there other sort of so-called allied industries that are have a big chunk of what they do related to that core industry? So the wine industry, for example, especially in places like Napa and Sonoma counties, and to a certain extent in Mendocino and Lake, have a real tie to local tourism. So local hoteliers, local restaurants, local event centers, uh, all feed off of each other in terms of a very symbiotic relationship, economically speaking. As cannabis becomes more mature in terms of how tourism is seen as being driven partially by a local tourism is being dri- driven, partially by what happens in the cannabis industry and its marketing to uh, bring people to see how cap cannabis or sorry, craft cannabis sorry is um, produced or how it's farmed or whatever angle you like um, that expands that footprint. So we will also touch a little bit on the the tourism possibilities in this report. So our description of that total economic impact is is sort of the the essence of the deliverable in this study. Did that help?
0: Yes, that is fascinating. Thank you for expanding on that. And one question that came to mind here for me while you were speaking was, what was your connection, if any, to the cannabis community or the cannabis industry prior to this study?
1: Very light um, in the sense that uh, when I... Uh, one of my jobs here at Sonoma State University was a dean of our extended international education courses. And what that is is literally extending the campus to the regional community. Part of that is we actually had a cannabis certificate right after Prop 64 passed. And we talked about doing a, a bachelor's degree. We have a bachelor's degree at Sonoma State in wine business. And we had some rumblings about whether or not we could do a parallel business degree for the cannabis industry, where we would be training kind of management or entrepreneurship. In this industry and and that exposed me initially to how dynamic and how potentially troubled the transition after prop 64 passed was going to be uh, and then when this opportunity came up i was actually coming out of being a dean and going back to the faculty here and it was it just seemed like a really intriguing study so that was really how i came into it somewhat indirectly but that's my background i have i'm not a farmer i'm not involved in a cannabis business as an entrepreneur uh I'm, I'm studying it purely from the angle of it's, it seems like a very intriguing industry. And I grew up in this area and I've studied this region quite a bit. So I know that it has a very profound effect, especially at kind of the micro level on households that have depended on it for generations.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for explaining that. And I'm wondering how it is that you collect the data. You know, are you interfacing with farmers and like um, retail dispensary owners or how exactly does that part work?
1: It's a great question. So I, I should back up a little bit and, and say a couple additional kind of administrative items. And Janine and Natalie may have uh, may have touched on this a bit. So this study was financed by DCC uh, and is through Cal Poly Humboldt. So DCC's database of track and trace, taxable sales, uh, the economic interactions between permitting and, and licensing, and trying to and telling a story about how large the supply side could be is a huge data source for us so in kind of a weird way they're financing a study that kind of depends on them as a data source but we also have a survey instrument that we've been using to try to touch each one of the so-called supply chain nodes so think about asking to tell their economic story how much do they spend every year how much do they harvest every year how many people do they employ uh, then do the same thing for manufacturing distribution retail and try to touch people through the cannabis alliances and cannabis advocacy organizations in these regions, and that's our kind of network. And Janine and Natalie have been amazing um, sort of industry players to give us a touch on that network for us. Uh, that's that's kind of how we're gathering information to tell a little bit more of the story about doing business in this industry and what are some of the economic nuances, uh, especially over the last few years, in terms of the ups and downs, and do your data kind of describe that roller coaster ride and and can we use that as a way of, of making for a better description of the potential and current economic impact of this industry? So we're using multiple data sources because the other little trick, Jen, is this is that when you have an industry, and it's kind of a rare event in American economic history, except maybe right before the Volstead Act was repealed, is to have an industry that is both not a hundred percent legal nationally. There is traditional, there are traditional markets still operating uh, in the sense that they're not regulated, and then we have a regulated market. So we have a lot of different vectors that very few industries in American economic history have had simultaneously with some data and a lot of sophistication running side by side. So that the trick in this project was, can we actually gain access to the data for folks that really don't want their data uh, acknowledged at the individual level? But can we get it in such a way to kind of describe the typical traditional farmer and their economic journey, so we don't undercount the, the economic footprint of the industry? That's that's probably the largest challenge in the data gathering of this process.
0: Interesting. Yes, I certainly had that question about whether it was focusing on um, traditional farming as well here. And what exactly is the timeline for the study? How long will you be gathering this data for? And when do you expect to report findings?
1: So we have been on the data hunt for the last few months. Uh, It took about a year to get the financing from DCC finally moving out. So uh, in theory, we're supposed to deliver results sometime in October 2023. And we're about two-thirds of the way there. The last third has two big chunks of it. One is making sure we have data that give us the best shot at describing the industry and then running the model. And then the second part of the last third is to actually synthesize the data, write the report, and actually put it in a way that a layperson could understand it. So that's that's where we're headed over the next five months.
0: And did you enter into this study um, with a hypothesis that you were working with? Uh,
1: yes, but with, with the idea that the hypothesis was that I knew that this industry had uh two challenges from a, from an academic study standpoint so i knew it was going to be tough to gather data and people were going to be reticent to provide their data but the second which is the more positive side of it is i knew that there had to be long-standing economic relationships that told the story of the size of the economic footprint in these counties and that it would probably look a lot like other agricultural industries And we needed to frame it like that. So one of the things that's always kind of been a head scratcher for me, though I understand the politics of it, is not thinking about cannabis as an agricultural good. I mean, people are literally farming. So wouldn't the economic impacts be similar to other farming in some ways, where we understand the retail is very unique in the way that that works. Uh, But there are some examples out there that might be parallel. But we know that that, we know there's a way of describing these economic phenomena. We just have to be thinking about how do we characterize them, and in a sense, tee up a characterization that is is truer about the industry than, let's say, the politics might allow.
0: Absolutely, and you know, I'm wondering here while you're talking if you know of any similar studies happening in other states that have uh, regulated cannabis economies as well.
1: Yeah, there are a few out there, and in fact, right before Prop sixty four passed uh, as part of the legislative process, there was uh what's kind of known as a regulatory impact assessment and that that's been kind of thrown out there is the benchmark way of looking at these phenomena um Biz, uh which you may know uh, is a it's kind of a news organization or a marketing organization around cannabis they publish an annual report that's meant to look at the economic impact uh, around the states where it is legal uh, and it's and then so, and there's another. There's a couple out there in Colorado and Washington that that, that tell the basic story. Uh, but what we're tr- what we're going to do is probably follow that that regulatory industry or the regulation. or I'm sorry, the SARIA. I always forget what the actual acronym stands for. Basically, a, a regulatory impact assessment. Uh, that, in terms of its basic construction, from a table of contents standpoint, but we want to be a little more colorful about the ups and downs that have happened since. Prop 64, especially on the medical side of the industry. So th- there hasn't, I have not seen one that is as complete in that description of the industry. Uh, I'm hoping that this this report at least has some legs as a, a new benchmark about how to look at these uh, economic phenomena, both uh, in legal and in uh, more traditional environments.
0: Natalyn, is there anything that you want to add about um, Humboldt County Growers Association and kind of how you, that organization has participated in this, in gathering data for this study or anything like that?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Humboldt County Growers Alliance and our sister organization, HCBDC, are community partners, as is uh, Origins Council on this survey. And so we are really seeking to um Help interface with our community and share the potential of how this study can directly benefit our community. And as an advocate in Humboldt County, we do a lot of interfacing with our local government, our board of supervisors, economic development specialists, tourism agencies, and You know, and frankly, with the the traditional business sector and something that I find in our community is that cannabis continues to be the elephant in the room despite five years post legalization. And I find that many of the business sectors underestimate the value and the importance of the cannabis industry. And I think that because of all the news and headlines about the collapsing market, And, you know, people are just sort of thinking, well, oh, well, it's fine if weed goes away. We don't need it. You know, there's other things that will support our economy. And I think that that is an extremely misguided and uninformed um, thought process. And, you know, we need allies in our community. You know, what we are working with as a legal industry and frankly, even in the traditional industry is understanding the value and importance that this plant has brought to our community over the last multiple decades. And, um, you know, there was a study that was produced in, in Humboldt back in 2010, 2011 by, um, Jennifer Budwig. And at that time she was trying to estimate the, the size of the cannabis industry and its impact on the economy and, and estimated that it was over a billion dollar over a billion dollars flowing per year through Humboldt County, and then talks about how each dollar that was earned was circulated six times through the economy and spent at retailers, grocery stores, entertainment venues, gas stations, et cetera, and then how those revenues then benefited and supported jobs and economies. And so here we are 12 years later and we need specific real data to be able to go back to these community institutions and re-explain how very important it is to support the cannabis industry through improved regulations, improved taxation measures, and um, the importance that we really can have if we are supported and not continued to be under the bias of prohibition and continuing war on drugs mentality. And so, you know, I just really want to um, encourage, if this applies to you to participate in this survey, um, the fastest way to find the survey are through um, HCGA's Instagram, which is at HCGA underscore Humboldt. um, And the link is in the bio or people can find it through Origins Council's Instagram, which is at Origins with an S Council, and they have the link for the uh, survey in their link tree, which is also in the bio. And just really want to stress that this data is 100% anonymous. All the data is aggregated. Um, I'll have Rob talk a little bit about that, but this is protected survey information. And so I know that it's hard that this is um, we're asking a lot of people and the survey, we understand takes about 30 minutes to fill out. So it's not just a sit down and it's going to take you two minutes to fill it out like this is a, a request for people's time. But I ask our listeners to please understand how important it is, not just for your local economy, but also as we start to look at statewide policy as well
1: yeah and just to add a little bit to that natalyn thank you so much for that um it it's when we get the data we have no idea where it came from and that we have the survey set up in such a way that it keeps it's almost like a double blind survey is that you don't you don't really see us and you really we don't know who you are uh and that's good and it keeps it super anonymous and when the data come they're only going to come to me so there's no there's no concern that it's going to go any other place but the key is really as Nataline suggested, is thinking about what we do with these data can really describe your situation as a microcosm of the market. So if I show if you show me data that from 2019 to 2022, you were rising and then you were falling. And that fall looks like it's going to continue in such a way that you may no longer be in business. That you having that journey is probably you're probably not alone in that. And if you've been ascending the other parts of what we ask in the survey should help describe that. And we're asking for farmers, distributors, manu- or manufacturers, distributors, and retailers to all provide data because we need to color in the entirety of the supply chain, not just the cultivation, but the whole, the entire supply chain. Most of the response we've gotten thus far have been from cultivators. Uh, we need, if you're out there and you are a manufacturer, a distributor, or a retailer, please check out the survey. And you can email me, uh, at eyler at sonoma.edu and um, you can do it through an anonymous email if it looks weird it just if you're if you put in the subject line uh, cannabis survey i will just reply to you and that'll be the end of it um, you pick but that's another way to get it it's just getting it straight from me so anyway the point is, is that um, th- those data are critical in terms of not only describing how wide and deep different parts of the supply chain are but also the journey that you've been on over time.
0: Yes, thank you so much for expanding on that and ways that our listeners can get involved and give that in very important data to you all for this wonderful study that is definitely going to benefit us through policy suggestions and just getting you know an overall look at our community and the industry. Jim, is there anything that you wanted to chime in and add? I just wanted to give you a chance to do so if you wanted.
6: Sure. I, uh, and it's the irony as I was just contacted by um, the Cal Poly Humboldt team while we were on this phone call uh, uh, regarding actually giving our information and actually having an interview with them um, to provide for the study. So um, I think, you know, we've already seen these impacts within our own communities, especially you know, we have a tight community here. I, I know that a lot of other retailers, a lot of other businesses that are outside of the cannabis industry have actually been pulling me aside and saying, you know, we're really hurting and things have really changed. And we really noticed the difference in our economy due to the cannabis element actually suffering um, with my involvement with West Business Development Center. And as a business person, you know, I've had my feet in a couple different worlds and you um, I just think at this point, um, it's really important for folks to come forward and tell their story and give their information. Um, I, I see a viable craft market really starting to develop. We just finished up with Hall of Flowers last week. Um, our brand is actually doing doing okay. And we we are seeing a completely different kind of twist with the buyers and the shop owners across the state. And there's a new research in, uh, interest in And different, you know, going back to old school genetics and actually sun grown and the generational knowledge. And I really think that, you know, the whole cannabis community is starting to understand what a craft market could be. And here in Humboldt and Trinity and Mendocino counties, we have actually uh, just a valuable asset here of those um, small farmers and legacy farmers uh, such as ourselves that really need a seat at the table. And we really need folks to actually kind of weather this. Um, because I think it's going to be really beneficial to all of our region if we have these craft farmers um, alive and well and um, and and that type of uh, uh, you know knowledge that can actually be brought to the industry. I think it's uh, it's super important. so I, I really encourage folks to participate in this.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Jim. And we have just about four minutes left on the show here today. So, before we wrap it up, I just want to remind all of our listeners that KZYX is in the middle of our spring pledge drive. And we have a goal of $100,000 for this pledge drive, which is ending on the 27th of May. So, we would love to feel your support through a donation. Um, If you enjoyed the Cannabis Hour, you know, I've been hosting this show since 2019, and it was on the air for several years prior to that with the original host, Jane Fletcher. If you enjoy, heard today and you feel like this is valuable information, please take this opportunity to support KZYX through a donation. We also offer wonderful local news, music shows, call shows, and of course, emergency information. So as an invaluable community resource, we would love your support. Um, you can donate via kzyx.org. You can mail a check to Post Office Box 1 in Philo, California, 95466. You can also give us a call right now or during any business hours at 707-895-2324 with a donation for this pledge drive, and we would so greatly appreciate it. And I also want to let our listeners know that if you have any questions on what we talked about today, or you need information or on how you can submit data for this study, or you want to know something about the Mendocino Craft Farmers Auction, et cetera, you can always send me an email. And my email address is kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. That's kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. And I can connect you with all the information that we shared today. So we've got about three minutes left here. Um, Dr. Eiler, are there any sort of last thoughts you want to share with our listeners actually here with two minutes left?
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Jen. I think the bottom line, folks, is this, is that this study is not meant to describe what is truly to be regulatory change to help y'all. It's meant to tell an economic story of how much impact this industry has on these communities as a way of telling a story of how important it is to these communities. The hope is that from here, these data can be used to talk about changes in regulations, changes in taxation, the things that Madeline described that are primary in terms of maybe bringing us to a new tomorrow. But I agree that the craft angle, the craft, sorry, the craft angle, and the tourism angle are ways that to explore this more completely for the entire industry's betterment, not now, but 10, 12 years from now in the new generation. So I'm hoping that this study really helps provide that foundation.
0: Thank you so much. And Natalie, do you want to give out that information for the Humboldt County Growers Alliance one more time? I know that's the way folks can submit data.
5: Yeah. So if people are, if this is applicable to you, please check out HCGA's Instagram, which is again at HCGA underscore Humboldt or at Origins Council um, Instagram. And i um, really looking forward to being able to work on all of our behalf. And so all all five counties, this is very important, key, and uh, help us help you by participating in the survey.
0: Thank you so much. And Jim, real quick here, how can folks contact you or get more information about the Brambles?
6: Sure, actually you can visit our website, which is thebrambleshideaway.com. Um, also we're at um, uh, themadrones.com and then the Bohemian Chemist,